Wednesday, September 20th, 2023 on the Sleepers Podcast. I'm Greg Waddell. I'm joined by my good friend, Carter Elliott. Carter, it's Almanac Day. Happy to all who participate. Congratulations to the great minds behind the Almanac. Big day for uh, our our friend from Riley Friday, Riley Davis. Happy Almanac. Yeah, shout, shout out to the Knack. Notice I said the Knack, not the Almy. Just letting that be known. But hey, for real, shout out to them guys. Uh, a lot of our good friends do hard work on that. Um we're obviously going to be consumers and users of it. So uh, be sure to check that out. Um, even if you even if you don't necessarily, well, one, you should see the content as enjoyable, but a lot of good people worked on that and worked like really, really hard to put that out. So I highly recommend it. Uh, it's pretty interactive as well. Um, and I think for anybody as a, a watcher of college basketball or even a better college basketball, I think it'd be I think it'd be useful because you can see rosters and how they update and how they change and things like that. So uh, shout out to our all our good friends that worked on that. Yeah, 100 percent. I uh, I think people know this. I'm a big better when it comes to college basketball season. And I don't know how I would approach the early portion of the season without the Almanac. It was a huge resource for me last year. Uh, it's $19.99, I believe, today. There's a discount earlier if you pre-ordered. We both pre-ordered. I know that for a fact. So hopefully you did. If you didn't, 20 bucks is still well worth it. Uh, and support the people, man. Support the people who've worked so hard on this content. I know this is a good way that they get to get a little kickback from that. And Cart, genuinely, there is nothing I love to do more than support people who just work hard that uh, make good content. And I think in college basketball, you should always really support people who work hard in this industry, even if you're not one of them that was necessarily on the project. So I love everyone who worked on the Field of 68 Almanac this year, Heat Check, let's say him by name, Three Man Weave, Heat Check, uh, Verbal Commits, all them guys did a fantastic job with this. So kudos, big day for them. It's a celebration and uh, we are already enjoying it. We got to peruse it. So I'm sure at some point, probably next week, we'll start to dive into some of the topics from the Almanac. I don't want to use their content for our content necessarily this week but uh maybe next week <laughs> we will maybe, maybe next week when we don't have con- we don't have uh much to talk about because it's a little dead period before practice starts we just go page by page of the almanac yeah we could read it just... word for word no we, i'm just kidding anybody listening to that i can't believe they didn't let me write the forward for it that would have been special think they'd let you anywhere near a pen <laughs> really no. No. Spart- spartan rivals might but um yeah hey it it's fun it's fun supporting people who work hard it's fun it is. it is fun okay let's get into it today good episode today uh three topics i'll tease them quickly we're going to talk the best duos in college basketball the big 10 schedule released and uh this is from a comment that i'm sure we'll read quickly here in a few moments but somebody prompted us to do the all big 10 transfer out team. And I had a lot of fun coming up with the names that could qualify for that team. So uh, it'll be interesting to hear how you approach building a team out of those names versus how I would. As always, we start every episode with the Carter Elliott comment of the day. If you want your comment read on every episode, no questions asked, you can join the discord and we do that. But uh, if you haven't joined the discord, we still respond to one to two comments every single day from the YouTube channel. Carter gets to pick them. That's where we go now. What do you got today, Cart? Okay, this comment comes from Rhoda, Rhoda Vark. Doug could get an opportunity in the NBA a la Marquise Noel. 
Let's see what he does this season and next season. He might not even stay four years. Do you see a world where Doug becomes a Marquise Noel type player? And does he stay at Michigan all four years? I absolutely see a world where he becomes a Marquise Noel player. Uh, that is the vision here. I've compared him to Tyler Ulis with rabies. And that's what I expect. I fully expect whether it's this year, two years from now, three years from now, he is going to be like an all-American caliber killer, score first, little point guard. That's what Noel was to me. Noel was also the best passer in the country. I don't know that Doug's going to get there. I think that's where he struggles right now. He's more of a score first guy than a pass first guy, but he can do both. Um, with that said, Marquise Noel didn't go pro early. He had no opportunity to because he was five foot one. And that's where we are with Doug here. Like Doug can be the best college basketball player in the country. I don't think there will be an appetite for him in the NBA. There was for Tyler Ulis, but he got a very large bump being a Cal guy, being a Kentucky guard guy in that run of Kentucky NBA point guards. So um, yeah, I, I'm sorry to that comment. I appreciate the comment. I don't think there's a world where Doug leaves college basketball early. He's going to play four years, whether it's at Michigan or somewhere else. I think this is a big year for Doug. Um, and how the rest of his Michigan career plays out. Because looking on the looking at this team on paper, uh, obviously you have Nkamwa, who I think is talented. Um, Terrace Reed, who I think there there's something there too. Uh, I think that Terrace Reed a, a, is a going to end his career as being a a really good big in the Big Ten. So if you want to use the word talented with him right now, I'd use that word with him. Uh, he's going to be a physical presence, whatever you want to use. Doug, they could Michigan this year could really lean in to like Doug being their guy. Like, let's just go high usage. This is Doug McDaniel's. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. This is this is Doug McDaniel's basketball team. Give him the rock and just let him rock. Like this could be the let the young bull rock movement. Yes. Um, will Michigan lean into that? Probably not because yeah, they, will. Yes, they will. The yes, yes, they will. Yes, they will. Stop it. That's the plan this year. Like no okay. bullshit. That's that is the plan this year. Michigan has. What's the other plan? What's the other plan? Run it back with Jalen Llewellyn. You think they're going to do that? Like they clear out in Amari Burnett time? No, it's it's Doug. It's Doug. And that, look, it, that doesn't mean that, this team's going to be could, good. That could be fun. That could be fun. That could be bad. It could be fun. It could be crash and burn. It could could be fun while being bad also. Like that's sort of my expectation here. I don't think this Michigan basketball team is going to be good, but I think they're going to be fun as shit because it's Doug. (laughs) Like I'll live and die with Doug. I will. He's just, he's so sporadic though. He was last year as most true freshmen are like the question. The question is, can he like the same way? We're all so high on Bruce Thornton. Can Doug do the same thing we expect from Bruce? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But um, I think on paper, Bruce has more talent around him this year that should make it a little easier. But, like, let's not underestimate it, man. Like, there is a world where Doug is just really good as a sophomore. We've seen Michigan sophomores get really good from freshman to sophomore year, even not the NBA ones. Like, Juwan's been pretty good if he gets a guy around for a second year. He's been bad because most of them don't stick around for the second year. And, like, Kamwa and Terrace Reed are good. Like, that's a good front court. So, if... If Doug actually is good, I think this team's pretty slept on, but it all hinges on Doug. Make no mistake. If Doug isn't ready for that role, then yeah, it's crash and burn potential, and it'll be the most fun crash and burn that I've ever been a part of. The, the most fun? For sure, yeah. For the most fun crash and burn I've ever been a part of, for sure. Last year wasn't a fun crash and burn? No, because those guys weren't likable, except for Doug. 
Uh, Kobe was. Kobe yeah, was. you like Kobe. Kobe was super likable. It's a shame that we have to remember him as the third cog to Jed Howard and Hunter Dickinson, who were two of the most unlikable players in college basketball history. Okay. All right. Thank you for that comment. I appreciate also, that. Also, no, I was making a face before that because you you basically said Terrace Reed is talented, but instead of just saying it straightforward, like it's so hard for you to say that about a Michigan player. <laughs> the way it, you it, said it, that, I <laughs> encourage everyone to rewind this like a minute and a half. The way he said the words came out of his mouth were like, a word that could describe a good basketball player is sometimes is talented. And I would possibly say that that might apply to Terrace Reed. Like just say he's good. Like Terrace I know. Good. I, I just didn't feel like I, it felt like too much. I was like, Doug is good. Com was good. I just, I had to just reel it back just a tiny bit. No, we can do it. Like the, the truth of this Michigan team. Well, I'll talk about it way more when the season gets here. I'm sure those three guys are good. Doug and Terrace and Conwell are good. Even if they're not like, perfect jumps that we think Doug and Terrace can make. Those guys are good Big Ten basketball players. Right now, they are. The issue for Michigan is everything else around them. They didn't get a starting three. They're going to play a bad basketball player at the three, which is the same issue. The last two seasons, Michigan's played four on five in various forms. So it's hard to overcome when you've got NBA guys there. I don't know. Maybe it's easier to overcome when you have a 23-year-old Kamala, but probably not. There, there are probably still limitations. It's just don't I'm already getting ahead of it. Don't conflate Michigan's issues with Doug McDaniel and Terrace Reed because those guys are good. Those guys are not going to be the problem. The problem is going to be who plays at the two and the three for Michigan. Understood. Thank you for your comment, Rhoda. Are you doing your word of the day today, by the way? we uh, You're not yeah. supposed to say it until the end of the episode, but Carter mm-hmm. Elliott's word of the day, he has a word. And then at the end of the episode, we're all going to try and guess what Carter Elliott's word of the day was. Yep. Okay. Have you used the word yet? I can't tell you that. If you have, use it again. That's all I would say. I wasn't entering this episode with the find Carter's word mentality. Okay. All right. Understood. Excited for this. All right. Uh, That was the YouTube comment of the day. As we said, subscribe to the Discord if you would like your comments read every single day. It's the best way that you can support us. Let's go to the Discord right now. Fam starts with need a word of the day moving forward. We got you, fam. That's already in play. Tristan Freeman busting brackets says, I wonder how much of the IO Talon Horton Tucker drama and the Chicago hoops politics that came with it made the portal more appealing to Underwood. Your thoughts. So I don't want to comment on this because I don't know the full story. I actually meant to follow up with Tristan and get this full story. I did hear like the rumblings that there was just a disconnect with like Mac urban fire and local Chicago schools and Coach Underwood and Illinois staff. I don't know any more details about it. I literally just heard murmurs and rumors about it. So, I mean, I, if if I was Brad, I'd probably find a way to fix that because <laughs> there's a lot of talent in Chicago, um, and that should be that should be your leg up. I think that sometimes coaches can get so enamored with going to get five stars that they don't realize that sometimes those five stars, those really good players, you got to leg up on them because they grew up in your backyard. And that should give you a head start on things. That's why yesterday when we were talking about how uh, impressive it was that Indiana's in on Liam McNeely's recruitment, that's very impressive because he grew up in Texas. So technically those schools had a leg up on them and they weren't able to capitalize. At least it looks on paper they're not going to be able to capitalize. So uh, that seems like something that needs to be fixed if it is still an issue. I know Merez Johnson is a uh, Chicago kid, so they did good there, but I don't know. 
Yeah, there's a lot of politics involved with recruiting anywhere. Um, like for years with Michigan, it was like the Detroit-based AAU programs didn't want to send their kids to play for John Beeline. Um, I thought when Jawan Howard got hired here that there would be a pipeline from Chicago for him, and that really hasn't come together. So I, I don't know the details of the IO Horton Tucker story, so I'm not going to speculate on it. I would like that to be shared if Tristan is so willing. Maybe you could share that in the Discord to anybody listening. They could jump in the Discord and hear it. But um, yeah, for now, I don't know, so I'm going to stay away from it. Coy asked if we know what happened. We just told you we don't know what happened. Uh, beyond that, he says, Cam's has a country night that used to be elite. I think it was on Tuesdays, but no standout country bar in the Champagne area. Here's how you know you done messed up, Champagne. If Coy doesn't immediately know what night the country night was at the most prominent bar in Champagne, that's a problem. That means you didn't have a high caliber country night or a country bar. Yeah. And also you had the perfect opportunity. You have a country, a country college basketball superstar. If you're not having country night on Mondays and it's not Meyer Mondays and it's $2 monster and vodka shots or something like that. And everything is just, and you had Meyer there. Like that's just it's bad marketing. What was the what's the drink that people mix with Monster? What is it? it isn't there one? Maybe isn't I'm, it just a vodka Red Bull? Oh yeah, I'm thinking. I'm just I'm thinking Red Bull, not Monster. But um, yeah, what a missed opportunity. Yeah, killer. Were you ever a vodka Red Bull guy? I've never been an energy drink guy before the ever. Meyer experiment. Yeah. Yeah, I had like two months where I was a, a vodka Red Bull guy because in my head, like this was in college and I was like, I got to I'm tired. I'll just I'll drink alcohol mixed with energy drinks. That'll be amazing. Worst decision of all time. Literally that you couldn't go to bed. It was it was absolutely awful. Yeah, I don't know how people do that. I always in my head just interpreted that strategy as an exploding heart. <laughs> like I just, I, it didn't appeal to me at all. Like I'm already thinking of, I'm putting a lot of alcohol in my body, not the healthiest thing. My heart might explode if I, yeah. if I mix yeah, it. I mean, you know, hindsight's 2020. Eh, you know, you live and you learn. Um, Koi also says that uh, I call you out for using words incorrectly. I wasn't even close to using voluminous correctly. I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, I believe it's a word. I am too afraid to see how off I was on the usage of it. So were I'm, you talking about your hair volume? I think so. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I've also used it when talking like volume shooter. Cause I think the word is voluptuous that you want to use voluminous, loose and ample or very lengthy and full. Okay. Uh, so maybe you're right. Depending on what phrase you use. I might have been right in my intention. I wasn't right if I used that to describe my hair. It's not It's not very lengthy and full right now. Uh, moving on. Uh, Illini Trav says he should have been more clear. He meant prior to committing. What he heard on Matthew Meyer was that he and Pete Nance were given the first come, first serve offers, and Matthew Meyer jumped first. Hmm. See, I don't think that's the worst thing. I don't know how Pete Nance would have fit with Illinois last year. I was really wrong on Pete Nance. I, I still think we're not wrong. I think it was UNC. But he would have been, wouldn't he have been used wrong at Illinois though too then? Yeah, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. It didn't, it didn't work at Illinois. 
it, it wouldn't it, have worked. Yeah. Like in, in a on the surface level, like him and Coleman are are um what's the word? Um they're interchangeable. Too yeah, they're 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 like like players. Is this a hint at your word of the day? No. Just like See, we can't stutter? be doing we can't be doing this. I you just gotta let me speak. Okay. okay. You can't every every sentence. That's my word of the day. All right, fine. Um Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know about Pete. I just know I missed on him. I thought he could play the four. He clearly is a five and not a four, but um, I also don't know. We did a lot of Pete Nance to Illinois last off season at the time. And I think the same people that were adamant to me that Illinois was really a favorite for Pete Nance were also adamant this year that Illinois was on Tiger Campbell and going to get Tiger Campbell. And then like, I just, I'm starting to, I don't want to say I don't trust, certain Illinois sources, but I think with Illinois as a program right now, there's a lot of like, this is happening. That's premature. That's what I would say after two off seasons of this little, little too much sporadic optimism for your, for your liking. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that they actually ever led for Pete Nance, but I'd like it that the key word is there is I don't know. <laughs> they might have, and I'm just wrong on that. And Illini Trav is accurate on this, but uh, either way, I think Matthew Meyer honestly was a better fit for your team last year than Pete Nance, even though he is an insane person. Two comments to end today's uh, portion of this episode from Keith Johnson, 32. He says, Greg touched on something very quick last episode that has pissed me off. We were all told by the media that they couldn't fire Mel until after the hearing. This obviously was not true. A Title IX lawyer has also come out and said Alan Haller, with 100% certainty, knew of the details in March. MSU fans complain about the blue wall, but there's a big-ass green one right here. Lots of talking heads carrying water for the administration. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a shit, it's a shit show. Like, you know how we said it was going to get messy? I knew it was going to get messy with more details coming out. I didn't know it was going to get messy with details coming out about people knowing about this and basically carrying water for this situation and letting him coach unsuspended this whole time with all these rumors, new rumors that are coming out in details. So, uh, I mean, I think Keith hit the nail on the head in this, on this topic. It's, but it's also not surprising to me because like I've stated on the past couple episodes, it seems that MSU leadership just finds a way to mess things up. Like that's their, that's their default. How can I screw this up? Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. That's where we're at. I give Keith some credit because I believe Keith is a Michigan State fan. He is. Um, yeah. He, I give him some credit for calling this out and making us talk about it. Uh, on the blue wall concept, I think, I don't want to say this is a gripe I have with Michigan State fans, but I think a lot of the prominent online Michigan State names like to make it seem as if that is a Michigan specific problem. And they call it the blue wall and play up the the stuff. And like, you're right. There's a lot of, there are a lot of like just headlines randomly, like that are Michigan friendly, especially when it comes to their football program compared to Michigan state. Um, I don't think there's any world where that's a Michigan, Michigan state specific problem. I think it's very clear that across the country in sports, in college media protect their coaches to an insane level. And uh, I don't think that's blue wall, green wall, whatever you want to call it. I think it's a messed up part of how college sports works right now. Somebody came at us because we clipped the PJ part of yesterday's episode. And uh, somebody was like, you'd be surprised what the percentage is of coaches that are scumbags that may have extramarital affairs. 
that's accurate. That's 100% true. And I'm, I'm not here to play. And, tr- and trust me, brother, we, we know. I, I'm not here to play morality judge on coaches. I know it's way more prevalent than you would ever like to believe. What's true about that, though, is that <laughs> pretty much every good coach in every sport in college sports could be taken down if they do something that violates them to their fan base, like there, there are plenty of institutions that are protecting their coaches on a personal level right now. Some in this very state with coaches that are beloved right now, multiple, not one multiple on two different universities right now. So, um, it's tough for me because I, as I watch the Mel stuff crumble right now, one of my large takeaways that I truly believe is I can't believe none of this stuff came out a year ago. And that goes for his, his interpersonal stuff. The rumors that are supposedly now going to come out this week. Like that was the report yesterday is there's going to be more Mel bad news that is outside of Brenda Tracy, that this has been going on. And we heard these rumors almost a year ago. At least I did. And like people in my personal life have told me they've heard about the Tracy rumors for six months. And it seems to me that this is very accurate. Like a lot of media members who are now turning and dropping. Oh, did you know that this happened? Knew about this long ago and didn't want anyone to know about it because they still believed in Mel as a football coach. And that's not a Michigan state problem that happens everywhere. That's my problem. So that's my only. The only thing I'll say about that, um, and I agree with you, I, I truly think that all fan bases think that the other side or the wall, whatever you want to call it, is up. Um, actually, sorry, two things on it. One, the thing about the blue wall that just irks me the most is when it's not even related to basically um, just Michigan State specific, like the free press headline where it's like, Mel Tucker, has he ruined opportunities for other black coaches? That's just like, really? That's what we're doing? Like, come that's, on. Now. That's not blue wall. That's a dumbass. Like, okay, yeah. So I, I guess think, I, I think everybody criticized that in the moment. Yeah, tr- true. I hope. Yeah. Except, except the, you know, the free press people and the beat writers actually write for them. Well, right. The, but that was, I think that was an opinion article, first of all. I don't know that that was a beat writer. I, I don't know. I, could oh, okay. I know it was like an op-ed thing that somebody wrote. Yeah. And like and, I quote tweeted it right away and said, this is dumb. like Josh Perry was like, this is one of the d- dumbest headlines I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and the other thing is, and obviously we're not journalists. We don't know how like that stuff works. Maybe you know, know about it more than me. Can they, can they like write on rumors? I think you can, but there's complications to all of that. Like so you're, I, are are you coming up at from a standpoint where if it's a rumor about another coach, they would write about it. If it's a rumor about their coach, they wouldn't write about it. I don't know how the the institutions of like the writing works. Like the, these are actual newspapers, right? So like anyone who is going to accuse a sitting coach of something morally ambiguous to keep using the term I keep using this week, uh. They're like you're gonna get lit on fire, right? Like, if you make an accusation without thousands of pieces of supporting evidence, you're screwed. Like that's career suicide. And I don't want to speak for actual media members at actual outlets who have jobs they need to protect. I'll speak for me in this spot. We're not reporters, but 
we have worked our way to a place where we are media. Like what we do every single day is media. And I'm sitting here saying it's messed up that the quote unquote media has known all this about Mel and done nothing and not brought it to the table. And also they're still doing that for two sitting coaches. I just said that, right? I know what those things are. I know what the dirt is. And I'm not coming on this podcast and breaking it down what happened because that would be a massive problem for me. Like if if I come out here and say, hey, this is what I believe has happened with these guys that are current coaches that people love, everyone's going to want to take down Sleepers Media. So I'm like, I'm sitting here being part of the problem I'm complaining about because anyone who has a job in media is protecting bad people (laughs) for doing bad things by not talking about it. And that includes me. And I just, I think that's a problem with all of this that like is very apparent. It existed with Mel. Like everybody knew about all this shit, the infidelity, the, the rumors that he was hitting on a certain prominent Michigan state person, like, all this shit is now coming to light. We knew about it six months ago. It didn't come out because they wanted him to be a good football coach. You didn't tell me. I didn't know about this. You didn't know about the one? No, I, I swear to God, I did not. I did That's, not. Did you bring that up before? I've known about it for since last season. Oh, I haven't. I literally, I literally, that was the first I've heard of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we haven't talked about it, but um, well, maybe it's because you're maybe it's because you're like from land. Like so a lot of the people I know about this, and obviously we haven't we're not mentioning the rumor. It'll come out. People have probably already seen it. Um, it's because it happened like in Lansing, like in a Lansing establishment. So like people have connections to that establishment. People from that establishment know about it. So, so I, maybe uh, not I, them, now, I didn't I'm, know. I'm backtracking through my my details of this. I know who I heard this rumor from a long time ago, and it wasn't you. You and I have not talked about this, so I believe you that you didn't know. But it was someone that is in group chats with you that I'm not in that probably would have sent it to you a long time ago. <laughs> and I don't, maybe he didn't, but like that's it. It's one of those people that like is a voice in all of this Michigan State stuff that informed me of this a long time ago. And again, it's like, no one's going to go public with that, but clearly there was public knowledge of people protecting him. And now that there's no reason to protect him now, it's, Oh, by the way, did you know this happened 12 months ago? And that's all I'm saying is God forbid, whenever other coaches decide that they're done or God forbid, whenever other coaches give their fan bases a reason to hate them, there's a lot of cobwebs that can come out for a lot of different guys. And Mel clearly is a unique situation. He did more horrible things than any of these other people I'm talking about. But I don't think this is a blue wall problem or a green wall problem. I think this is a every media member, including me, that covers college sports problem. Like, <laughs> there's not a lot of accountability for people personally, as long as you win games. And that's a disgusting truth of how all of this works. One final comment from Keith Johnson. He says on the NFL overtime rules, he loves the ideas. The easiest thing to do would be to give the ball back. If the opposing team scores a touchdown first drive, but reduce the time to two minutes. What do you think of that? Hmm. Reduce it. Like they got, so they get the ball, but it's like they're running a two minute drill. I think so. Yeah. Like if you give up a touchdown, yeah, you got to score in two minutes. I kind of like that. But then I get. Do you have to go for two when you get there, though? I I feel like that has to be a part of the rule. You got to go for two. Yeah, I like that more than if it would just keep extending the game. Because then what? Like if they score in two minutes and tie the game, does the other team get it back and they have a minute? <laughs> like that would kind of be electric, actually. 
that honestly would and then be like a lot of time management. But then I feel like a lot of games would end in ties, wouldn't they? Goes to a minute, goes to 30 seconds, goes to 15 seconds. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Uh, call me up, Roger Goodell. I have ideas. Let me be a creative analyst for you. All right. Good comment day. Complicated comment day. I feel like I just accused myself of some bad things. Did I do that? <laughs> yeah. I want to now be clear. I'm wiping my hands clean. <laughs> I've been acquitted of the things I accused myself of. Hey. No comment for me. I know Big nothing thing. on <laughs> on the record. I I know ah, nothing. Can't walk that back. You know a lot, my boy. Do I? What do I know? I I don't know. That's what I got from. That's what I got from the last ten minutes. Is that you know shit. What do I know? I I don't know. You don't know what I know, but I know that I know things you don't know. I yeah. I'm saying I know that I don't know. Oh okay. Officially, official statement. Okay. <laughs> flash it across the screen things we know and things we, i don't know i don't know let's go on uh what topic you want to do first we didn't set the order today you want to do best duos big 10 schedule or the all transfer out team i kind of want to do duos first okay let's do big uh big big duos not big 10 duos best duos in the country i asked you to come with three best duos and uh, we've obviously done like best backcourt in the country. I think we've done best front court in the country in a while. The season can't get here soon enough. We're, <laughs> we're scratching and clawing for things we haven't done yet. But I do think this is a unique concept. Duos, meaning a pair of players. Uh, I approach this with like, they have some reason to be connected. Like, I don't want to just do best backcourt. I don't want to take two guys that we've already talked about necessarily elsewhere. I want to talk about two guys that are unique as a duo for a reason and will matter in college basketball this season. So I've got three of them. I think you've got three of them. Curious how many of ours overlap. I'll throw it to you first. Uh, let's do the same thing. Rank them in order here. Give me three, two, one. Who are the three best duos in college basketball? Make sure you tune in tomorrow for our segment. Best SIDs. Um, <laughs> number three. Uh, this one I struggle with what person or what player to put with this other player. So it's Creighton, right? Kalkbrenner is part of the duo. And I went with Trey Alexander as the second part of the duo. I think Trey Alexander is in for a really big season. They need somebody to step up um, in the absence of Nebhard. I think that Ashworth can fill in pretty well for what he did, but also somebody needs to pick up a little bit of the slack. And I think that Trey Alexander uh, can be that. I think he actually is a pretty good point guard. Like when he had the chance to be a secondary ball handler last year, I thought he did a pretty good job for a guy who didn't get to do it as much because Nev Hart had the ball in his hands a lot. Um, so that's my third duo. I got Trey Alexander and Ryan Kalkbrenner. And Kalk's just a, a great college big. Like, he's elite defensively. Um, he's, he has great touch around the rim. He's 7'3", 7'2", seven, seven, some, some seven foot. So he's really good. And he looked really good last year after the whole sickness thing he had. Like he had Creighton looking like one of the better teams in the country. So I'm in on them as a duo. Uh, second, secondly, this will be the duo I'll be, I'll be carrying weight for, carrying water for throughout the whole season because I know that people aren't going to like this. It's going to be Terrence Shannon Jr. and Coleman Hawkins because Coleman Hawkins is going to make a jump this year. And Coleman Hawkins is going to be first team all Big Ten this year. First team. First team all Big Ten. For all the people putting Cliff 
on first team All Big Ten? No. Who's out of the first team? Cliff. Cliff's not in the first team. Who do you have in the first team? Jameer Young, Boo Booey, Terrence Shannon, Tyson Walker, Edie. I think Boo Booey will be second. Boo. Yeah. Okay. Love Boo Derry. Two of my favorites. I love Coleman and Boo, but I think Coleman takes a jump this year. Wow. Okay. I, I like that pick. I like that pick. And then first, I think is I feel pretty good about my first pick. I got R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott. Mm. Two guys that have played a lot of basketball together. Maybe use the narrative of kicking out their toxic cousin and Caleb Love. And now they can, you know, do their thing and bounce back from last season. But like Armando Baycott is a 15 and 12 guy, 15 and 13 guy, one of the better rebounders in the country. And R.J. Davis averaged about 16 points last year. And I think he's going to flourish without Caleb. I like that pick. Okay. Uh, same question I asked you yesterday when we did something like this. How many of your three do you believe are in my three? I honestly don't think any of them are in your three. Two of your three are in my three. Really? Yeah, we're pretty aligned. We're really dialed in right now. I'm still nervous about what that means. Good thing for our bets. Sleepers Bets newsletter coming out tomorrow morning. Uh, so... uh. Where do I want to go with this? I, I would flip around the order. You had those in reverse order, right? You went three, Creighton, two, Illinois, one, North Carolina. I would flip around the order slightly, but uh, my one and two are names that you mentioned. So I'll get to them. I'll start with an honorable mention. I would have put AJ Hogarth and Tyson Walker in this because my criteria is very much like, is there some sort of narrative for why these two together matters? Mm-hmm. And had we not said we don't want to do the same names we did for the backcourt list, they for sure would have been on my list. Um, I think both these guys opting to return when there was a lot of speculation that they could leave or like maybe Tyson leaves and that pushes AJ out or Jade Nakins comes back and one of these guys won't be happy. No, they're just like, we're back. We're here to win. Put the final four logos up in the weight room. Like I like that as a narrative a lot, and I think it took a lot of unselfishness from these two guys that are going to play really, really well off each other, just like they did last year. Uh, also note that it's a duo and not a trio, and Jay Nakin signed up to be next to a duo that's one of the best duos in the country. Let's just let, let's draw a clear line of indication. You did not have to say that. I'm just making it very clear. I don't know who's making the decisions in the Aikens family, but he signed up for this yet again to be next to one of the best duos in the country and not in one of the best duos in the country. All right. Uh, my third, Tyrese Proctor and Kyle Filipowski. Uh, I am out on Proctor. I've said that a bazillion times, which is going to make this very hard to clip because I can't clip that I'm talking about Proctor as one of the best duos in the country and then say I don't like Proctor. But I like these two as a, a like sophomore duo that once again, why are they back in school? I don't know, a little confused. I think both these guys could be in the NBA, uh, but they're back. And Duke's going to be really good because they're back. Duke would have been good with this freshman class in general, but you add those two, uh, I think it's absurd. Like the the most valuable thing in college basketball that is not Zach Eady is NBA sophomores, guys that could have been in the NBA after their freshman year and decide to return. We've seen it a bazillion times. Michigan's best teams have been built off NBA sophomores. That's what Duke has, a, a nasty duo of them. So uh, that's three. Two and one, like I said, names you already did. Uh, I'm going to put North Carolina's duo at two. I'm going to put R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott at two. Uh, again, 
guys that I think their entire stories have been written together. When you think of either one of these guys individually, you think of the Davis and Baycott years and Caleb Love has been a part of that. They have also like you cannot look at what they've done in their careers and say anything other than it's a wild dichotomy of underachieving mixed with overachieving. They had the biggest overachieving month any team's had in like a decade. Expelled Coach K, he's gone. And then follow that up with the most underwhelming year any team's ever had. The first team to be preseason number one to fall. They get one opportunity together to decide what their history will be. And that's fascinating to me. Like whether it works or whether it doesn't, it's on these two now. And there is no excuse with Caleb Love anymore. And we'll see what they're made of. Uh, and then finally, my number one, again, it's it's more narrative driven, I think, than yours. Trey Alexander and Kalk. Uh I cannot get over the concept of Arthur Kaluma, RJ Nemhard saying, we were so close to this final four. I don't want another chance at that. Uh, there's a better spot for me. That is so fascinating to me. And I don't know the details of how it went down. I don't know what their motivations are. Obviously, RJ's brother played at Gonzaga and Kaluma picked a great landing spot in Jerome Tang. But it's it's just crazy. They could have ran this back and probably been preseason number one, number two in the country, uh, a team that was this close. Like, it was devastating fashion that they lost, and they would have been a huge favorite in the Final Four. And if I'm Trey Alexander or Kalk, you know I'm a big spite petty guy. I'm a crack on the shoulder guy. But if I'm those two, like, I'm looking at each other like, are they serious? Like, like, uh, no, like we're going to show up this year. There's not a second you're going to see me and not get the absolute best version of me to prove RJ and Arthur wrong that they went to programs that have no chance to compete for a national title and left one that will like that. That's the mentality I would come into the season with. And I think those two are arguably two of the 10 best players in the country as is, and they're going to get bigger roles. They're going to shine. So uh, those are my three more narrative driven for me than you, but I'm, I'm fascinated by all three of those. I got a narrative to add to the Trey Alexander and Kalkbrenner one too. Please, please. Since the season has ended um, and UConn won the title, what has everybody been talking about as far as Big East basketball? Marquette gets everybody back. Okay. That, but what have they been talking about with UConn? Uh, UConn's freshman class and Klingon. Klingon, 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 Klingon. Klingon's coming in. Klingon's doing this. Kalk was already on on record last year, and obviously I think he just got caught up in the moment with the comments, but he was like, I'm a good player in my own right. Everyone always talks about Sonogo this, Sonogo that. Sonogo leaves, and this season all they're talking about is, oh, Klingon this, Klingon that, Klingon's a top 10 pick, Klingon's going to be this great guy. While meanwhile, Kalkbrenner is the Big East Defensive Player of the Year, uh, bounces back from a sickness last year. Like he's in a spot to step up and assert his dominance as the best big in the big East. Yeah. But everyone wants to talk about what Klingon's going to do in Klingon step. So it's another little chip on his shoulder. I feel like, I feel like he takes a little bit of disrespect to the fact that everyone's just talking about, Oh, it was Sonogo last year. And then this year is Klingon. So I feel like that's going to fuel him a little bit. All right. Can I go out on a limb? I want, to, I want to go out on a limb on behalf don't, of both of us. Don't ever ask me if you got to go out on the limb. Just go. I think we're a Creighton podcast this year. Is that I, our team? I think that's our team. 
I think we've danced around it. We always find a team that's our team. Last year was Kansas. I think this year it's Creighton. I will be a Creighton podcast. I'm talking through this. I'm pretty okay. The the only hesitation I have, I gotta see what Ashworth looks like. But if Ashworth's if Ashworth's fine, <laughs> I think I'm really in. But are we not in on a six seven lefty number fifty five who wears a headband whose name is Baylor Shireman? We're really in on that man. We're, we're in. Really, I think we're in on a, and like Mason Miller is still a thing. He might actually play this year. Isaac Trout. I think I think we're in Baby Blue. I love Baby Blue. Love Baby Blue. All right, we might uh, have found our team right there in real time. That's exciting stuff. All right, fun segment. Uh, and thank you to you for including Illinois so I can put Illinois on the thumbnail. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Illinois fans. But here we are. Oh, my bad. Didn't see you there. You've been finding the, a void in your life, something that you need a sense of community, a sense of want, a sense of being there. What better place than to join the Sleepers Media Discord where we have a community, we have discussions, we have engagements, and... We have betting advice in there. For anyone who wants to get into that betting world, we are more than happy to be your betting Obi-Wan Kenobi and lead you to the greatness of maybe greener pastures and more money. But for the small price of $9.99, if you join on the web, don't join on mobile, join on the web, you can join Sleepers Media Discord and you can have the safety and the beauty of being able to talk to me and Greg at any time you want. And we are active in the Discord. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Join the Discord, Sleepers Media, nine ninety nine on the web. Do it now. Uh, pivoting to the Big Ten schedule, it released yesterday. I uh, I might be like old man yelling at clouds here, but I don't really get why everyone has so much fun on schedule day. All of these matchups were already known. It's just assigning dates to it, and I I didn't really enjoy anything about yesterday. Maybe that's because my team's schedule is hard, but. Uh, I don't look forward to that dropping. I'm not like, ooh, this is fun. Like, it, it, we knew all of this already. True. And also, I'm a big um, social media team, like, taking advantage of the situation. Like, there's that trend going around where they go around the students on campus and ask them, like, the logo of the team they're playing. Like, I think those are hilarious. No one really did that around the Big Ten. Actually, I did like Michigan State's video. They did, like, a release, and they showed, like, highlights from the biggest win against that team or like uh, something like that. That was pretty cool, but I don't get like excited or anything like that. Like, you know what teams you're playing. It's not that, uh, you know, exciting to me, I guess. I'm, I guess I'm with you on the old man yelling at clouds situation. Yeah, I know you have to do it. Like I'm a social media manager for a variety of places and I know you have to do it because that's what people do now. But like, I got to be honest, anyone who dropped a video that was like two and a half minutes long releasing their schedule yesterday, I just clicked out of it. Like I watched the first 10 seconds of Cliff Amorier driving around New Jersey. I was like, I, I don't need this. Hey, Michigan, you should watch Michigan State's whole video. I watched the, it was like a Drew Neitzel highlight the first game. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I get it. I got it. Yep. Cool. Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> the, we should talk the schedules themselves. Um, Michigan State, in my opinion, got a pretty favorable one. I know people are really zeroing in on the Purdue solo matchup being in Mackey as the big takeaway. What a break for the one other really good team in this conference. Uh, I would flip that and just say it's a break to only play Purdue once. And 
I get that it's frustrating. It's in Mackey and not East Lansing. Outside of that little frustration point, I think Michigan State has about as favorable of a schedule as you could get. What did you uh, take away from this for Michigan State's purposes? Yeah, I definitely think it's a favorable schedule. The only thing is I can't help but letting this feeling creep in on me. Um, And I don't know if it's because I'm a Michigan State fan or because of what has happened in the past. But all I can think about is how like high, how up here we could be if we end the season, win at Mackey, win at home against Northwestern, win on senior night on the road at Indiana, where this team's head and where this fan base's head's going to be. And it scares me because you think back to when those type of moments happen, letdowns shortly fall after that. I don't like to think like that. It's very negatively, but it's just a thought that creeped in my head immediately when I saw the schedule. But at the end of the day, I think it's a very favorable schedule. I don't see any like concerns that I had last year where like we were playing the PK 80 and then flying overnight to play and get our ass busted by Cormac Ryan. There's yeah. nothing like that on the schedule. So uh, pretty favorable. Um, and I'm not really complaining about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't love in general. I think uh, strong to weak schedules do play a big role in deciding how teams do in the Big Ten right now because it's just very unbalanced. When you have 14 teams uh, and you get to play like half of them twice and half of them once, there's going to be teams that get three extra wins because they don't have to play certain teams. And um, I don't know. I Like Michigan State and Purdue were going to be good, obviously. So I'm, I'm with you. Michigan State's non-con doesn't feel as deathly as it did last year, even though they have some really good games. And uh, honestly, like last year, there was a prediction for me. I, I remember we had a very big moment where I'm like, I think they could lose. I think it was 15 games. And we were like, let's come back to that. They ended up losing 13, which uh, includes the postseason losses. So I was obviously off. Michigan State was better than I thought down the stretch for sure. Um, but there will be no prediction from me this year. I think Michigan but, State – Why I think Michigan State could win like – I think they could lose like five games this year, max. Like it, Now, it could be different. I don't know. Big Ten's tough. But like I, you go th- up and down their schedule – there's like four games. I think they won't be favored in <laughs> Like maybe I'm underestimating some of the road games, but if, if Michigan state is what we think they can be in this freshman class is for real, like this could be a, a season where you rack up the wins based on the schedule, in my opinion. So exciting stuff for you. How about my team who uh, got the opposite end of this? Can I read you Michigan's tough stretch real quick? Sure. Isn't your whole, isn't your whole schedule a tough one? Yeah, but this this is a seven-game stretch in the middle of Big Ten play. At Nebraska in Lincoln, at Illinois in Champaign, home to Michigan State, at Northwestern in Evanston, at Purdue, or not, sorry, not at Purdue, home to Purdue, at Rutgers, at Ohio State. That's five road games, two home games, and the two home games are against the two top five teams in the country. That's an entire month. They don't play. I think my mic's going in and out because I'm screaming too loud. They don't play a home during this. Lost your mic. Sorry. I'm okay. My mic's back. They don't play a team that's not a top five team in the country at home for an entire month in this season. And I, uh, I don't know if if they were competing for something, I'd be mad. But they're not really so in a weird way like i i think this is a good year to have a hard schedule right what are you writing what are you gonna what are you gonna do that's gonna break my heart right now 
just an LOL. Nice. Thanks, Cart. Appreciate you. Uh, oh, a second page? Wah, wah. Ooh, a sad. Ha, ha. Uh, do we have a third page? <laughs> we don't have a third page. It's empty. And now your mic's not working. Oh, sorry. Now your mic's working. Okay, great, great little moment there. Uh, yeah, my my final takeaway from Michigan perspective, I think it's good they have a hard schedule this year because if we're being honest, this team needs as many quad one win opportunities as possible. They don't need to rack up wins. They need like a really hard strength of schedule and they need five resume wins that when they get to March with 14 losses, they can point to and be like, how do you keep a team out of the tournament that won these games? So a lot of opportunities. And if Michigan is bad, like if Doug McDaniel doesn't hit, like we said earlier in the episode, this could be like a 10 and 23 basketball team. 10 and 23? Dude, like I know you're not a an analytics guy. You're not a huge fan here, but I went to the Torvik page just to see like the future cast projections. They're favored in, I think one of their final 11 games. <laughs> like, what, what are we supposed to do? I don't know. Uh, do you care like anything else broader outside of our two teams schedule wise? Does it matter? Does it not? I'm, a, I'm annoyed that we don't have a trip to Rutgers just because Rutgers fans keep like just poking fun at the fact that we're not going to play it at Jersey Mike's. Yeah, you're ducking. We're not like you're ducking. We're not. You're ducking. I mean, that only only school in the Big Ten that doesn't have to go to the rack ever. Michigan State is if there's a year to not be scared of Rutgers is this year. I'd be careful saying that. I love Rutgers. I love what they're doing, but at the same time, they don't want to see us this year. So go play them at the rack then. All right, I'll get I'll, I'll get the guy. I'll get I don't know who who does scheduling for Michigan State. I'll get him on the phone. You got you got a lot of people you could call here. I think you got to put some effort in because it appears no one else is interested in doing it. I'll make it happen. Okay, I hope so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Congrats to everyone for having a schedule. <laughs> that's that's my schedule takeaway. Yay. Good job, all 14 teams. You have a schedule. Woo. Uh final segment today. Uh, all Big Ten transfer out teams. Uh can I read some names real quick? This comes from a comment. Uh was it a YouTube comment or was it a Discord comment? It was a uh a YouTube comment, I think is from Dad Boy Illinois. Yeah, that boy from Illinois. Okay, yeah. He asked us, you guys should do all Big Ten transfer out team. Come up with a starting five of guys who left the Big Ten conference that would be the most competitive you could do. Rather than doing it just this season, because there's a lot of guys who left this year, we're going to do the whole transfer portal era. So we we try to come up with as many names as we could that have left in the last three to four seasons, and uh, we're both going to collectively work to come up with the best team that you can do. Here's all my nominees. Here's all the names that I have for you. Hunter Dickinson, Foster Lawyer, RJ Melendez, Sky Clark, AirPods, Armand Franklin, CJ Frederick, Julius Marble, Rocket Watts, Hakeem Hart, Paul Mulcahy, Cam Spencer. That's 12 names. I hope there's nobody major that I am missing, but there are some very good ones here. And no matter what, I think we're going to be teased into choosing at least one to two somewhat problematic players here. So uh, where do you want to start with building this team? Okay, before I start, I was just flipping through my notebook. And I mean, remember this time at Sleepers? I mean, how far we've come as a Michigan State fan? The anger and summer chart. Just uh, 
God, what a summer that was when we couldn't get a center. And then we ended up with Carson Cooper. All right. Uh, I think non-negotiable on this team, center and point guard. The center is Hunter Dickinson, and the point guard is AirPods. Point guard? Okay, sorry. Foster at the one, AirPods at the two. AirPods has to be on the team, but yeah, yeah, I think I think you gotta either choose Foster or Sky Clark or your boy Jamal Mulvaney at the one. I'm going Foster at the one. Is Foster a better player than Paul Mulcahy? Is Foster a better player than Cam Spencer? I'll, why would I have Cam Spencer at the one? Is Foster a better player than Armand Franklin? Yeah. I don't know that he is. I like Foster. His numbers are great. We can put him on the team because it's funny. But did we not get on here and say that Foster was our one? I'm just starting to look at the other names on the list. Like Foster's not better than Paul McKay. Okay, let's let's come back to the point guard. <laughs> Give me AirPods at the two. Yeah. Give me Hunter Dickinson at the five. Yeah. Give me Julius Marble at the four. Is our goal to win games with this team, yes. or is our goal to like? I don't know what our other goal would be. <laughs> our goal is to win games and piss people off along the way. Then I don't think Julius Marble belongs in this team because Julius Marble doesn't piss anybody off, and Hunter Dickinson does not thrive when he has a plotting center at the four next to him. He's not a Julius Marble's mid range game is one of the greatest we've ever seen. He can't step out a couple feet behind that, though. We know that. That's accurate. Okay. All right. So you're really tearing my team apart here. So we're going small. Who's our four? Like a key heart. So here's how I view this. I think there's a lot of shooters on this list that theoretically could be put around Dickinson and Pods. And your options to pick some shooters would include CJ Frederick, Hakeem Hart, Cam Spencer. You could talk me into Melendez. You could talk me into Franklin. I really think I'm dialed in on those. I think CJ Frederick, Hakeem Hart, and Cam Spencer are knockdown shooters. And you can put those guys next to Dickinson and Pod and build a pretty dang good team. Just someone's got to guard the four, which means it probably needs to be Hakeem Hart, right? Yeah. So we want a team just with with ratchets. I think it's this. I think, what about this? Front court of Dickinson, Hakeem Hart, Pods at the three. And then we're filling in with backcourt guys. See, I would have I would have left Paz at the one, Keem Hart at the four, Hunter Dickinson at the five, and then two, three, just go Frederick and Spencer. Okay, I think we're just flipping around positions. I'm fine. It seems it's a pretty positionless team outside. But of that's high. our but that's our team, right? Spencer, Pods, Frederick, Hart, Dickinson. Yeah. No, that's not our team. Uh, is that not our team? That team isn't problematic enough, and it doesn't piss enough people off. And that's okay. got it. That's got to be a role here. So I, we have to insert at minimum one of these two guys, Sky Clark and Paul Mulcahy. Have to, one of them has to be on the team. I'd prefer both are on this team. Okay, so who gets left? All right, so you give me a backcourt of Sky, Sky and Mulcahy. At the three, do we want Frederick or Spencer? Pods has to be on the team. Pods okay, three. Team. Give me Pods. So Sky, Sky Mulcahy, Pods, Dickinson, and then I mean CJ Frederick was also semi problematic, but that's a CJ, really small team. At, at the four, 
small team, isn't it? Yeah, that's. I think Akeem Hart is the perfect four to put next to Hunter Dickinson. He is. It's just not fun. <laughs> we, we got a we got a backcourt of Sky and Mulcahy. How much more fun do you want? Small ball four Mulcahy. He can bang. All right, walk me through the lineup now. Dickinson five, Mulcahy four, Pods three, Sky Clark one. We need someone at the two, and I will let you pick between Cam Spencer, CJ Frederick, Foster Lawyer, RJ Melendez, Hakeem. Give me, give me Fed, give me Frederick. Frederick at the two. Okay, so the the, the lineup is Sky Clark, CJ Frederick. Brandon Podjimski, aka AirPods, Paul Mulcahy, small ball four, Hunter Dickinson five. I want to bet on that team so bad. That team would be so dickheaded and fun to watch. I would love every element of it. Bonus, we could convince Coleman to transfer to our team and play a COVID year next year and spend all our NIL on him. It would be absolutely perfect. Uh, is that team a good team? Yes, it is, because you know what we're doing? We're taking a coach that transferred out of the Big Ten, and we're getting shrews. <laughs> Can shrews manage those egos, though? Yeah, I think he lets. I think he just lets them rock. I See, I think if you let this team rock, this team goes 9-26. and 26. <laughs> Well, what kind of coach do we need, then? We need I a think, coach who left the Big Ten. You're right. I think we need a coach... I think we need a coach who's willing to put his foot down. And uh I you know what? We're taking Bill Self. <laughs> that's I feel like that's cheating, but we don't care. No, we're allowed to take Bill Self. Bill Self and Hunter Dickinson belong together. And uh I mean people tell me that there's no way Bill Self can do anything but win twenty six games. So if Bill Self find would Bill Self win twenty five games with this roster? That's <laughs> I'm gonna repeat this so we can clip this. Would Bill Self win 25 games with an all Big Ten transfers roster? 25 games in the Big Ten. Bill Self's the coach with this team. Sky Clark at point guard. CJ Frederick at the two. AirPods. Brandon Pajemski at the three. Paul Mulcahy, small ball four. And Bill Self's boy, Hunter Dickinson at the five. I think that team. (laughs) All right, I don't want to say it. That team's making a second weekend. <laughs> Bill Self's the coach, right? Like, yeah, that team's making a second weekend. <laughs> that would be self. And I would feel I would have so much confidence marching that group of men into Mackey with Bill Self at the helm. The only thing I'm confident of is that I would spend so much money betting on that team. That's the only thing I'm. I mean, I think they would let me down a lot. But uh, yeah, that's an upper half Big Ten team for sure. No questions asked. If Bill Self's not coaching, maybe not. <laughs> maybe. No, we got Self. We got the we got the we got Self for this exercise. We have Bill Self. He transferred out of the Big Ten too. Perfect. All right, thanks, Dat Boy from Illinois for a fun segment. Uh, sorry to that team. I wish that was a real team. I'm so sorry to Foster Lawyer. You got to mention at least from us. It's been a while. It felt good to bring you back to the show for a second. I was living in a world where you and Rocket Watts were back and. God, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. One big thing presented by Bigby today. What's your one big thing today? I got a simple 
one big thing today. And I've probably done it before, but I just want to say shout out to the moms out there. Shout out to the sports moms more specifically. Uh, I think it's very tough raising kids in general. It's definitely got to be tougher raising kids in sports and that are actually good in sports as well. Uh, and I think they take it in stride and they do very well. And sometimes fathers get a lot of the credit for success with uh, with young males. And I just want to make sure the moms get their praise. And shout out to my mother. I love you. You could have been tougher on me, but I love you. Shout out Mary Rose. Have you upgraded the grade for her yet? Or do we not want to go there today? You just love her. I just love her. I love her too. Thanks. That was a nice shout out. I agree with that. Of course. Love all moms. Uh, okay. I have a non-mom related one big thing today. I've been thinking about this a lot this week. I don't understand how Michael Beasley didn't become a superstar in the NBA. I cannot figure it out. I'd like you to explain it to me because you, you're acting like there's an obvious answer. It's just mental. What's wrong with his mentals? I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure it's confirmed, but I think he actually might have a case of bipolar, bipolarism. Um, I don't know. I th- or just like some type of identity disorder or something like that. Um, okay. I might have to double check that. But I think it's just I think it's just mental with him. That's all okay. it is. I didn't know any of that. I did not know there was a... and whether it's and whether it's a something like that, like a bipolar or just like just mentally, I think he's just he's just different, and I think that hurt his NBA career. Well, thank you for shedding light on that. I was unaware there was a diagnosed medical condition potentially. Uh, Michael Beasley is my favorite college basketball player of all time. I would like yeah, to get that he's on up, record. up there for me. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i sad. I'm sad he wasn't like a 20-year NBA superstar because I really thought that's what the NBA was getting. All right, let's. right, uh, should we do your word of the day? I have a guess for what Carter Elliott's word of the day today was. Uh, sorry, I'm just confirming. So it's not bipolar, but he struggles with issues surrounding stress and anxiety. Mm. So he had, he had a lot of mental health issues. Mm. That's what it was. Anxiety, the silent killer, man. Yeah, for real. Shout um, out to anybody going through anxiety. Yeah. Do you want to guess my word? Yeah, I have a guess. Okay. You got to be honest. All right. Well, sporadic. It was sporadic. <laughs> Damn. What? That's that's just fantastic. <laughs> I should have. I didn't use enough words. I didn't bust out any other words. Sporadic is the only word I wrote down as a potential option. Did you Did you know it when I first? Because I said it before you even asked. If we're doing the word of the day. No, I did not realize you said it before that. Once I said that I was on the lookout for it, and yeah, I the next time you said sporadic, I wrote it down. Okay. One for one, baby. I bet you know what's interesting here? I bet you if you keep choosing words at this tier of word and you don't like start to choose just like like and I bet you I can shoot 35% from three on guessing your word of the day. Oh, guy goes one for one. He's just really cocky. I'm not going to pick words like and and I, and you're still, you're not going to go 35. I think I can be Kyle Corver level at guessing your word of the day on this program. Well, we'll see. Cause I'll be back tomorrow with another word of the day. Don't leave me open. Sporadic was leaving me open. That was ball in the corner, pass in the pocket. Like that was, don't leave me open. At least get a hand. That's where I'm at with you right now. All right. All right. Uh, enjoyed this episode. Fun as always. 
appreciate everybody listening. Join the Discord link in the description. We'll have the Sleepers Bets newsletter dropping Thursday morning this week. I had 11 bets. I go through in circle if, games. I'm if you've been about. thinking about joining the Discord, this might be the week to join. I had 11 bets that I like. I'm excited to write the newsletter this week. And I won't even be able to tell a Mark D'Antonio story this week. So I got to figure out the intro. Anyways, uh, join the Discord. We'll see you tomorrow.